0: fire to fall tonight amen Amen. may God just answer that heart plea tonight let's bow our heads as we go to him maybe you'd want to be remembered tonight in prayer you just lift your hand to God God knows what the desire is there that's behind that request Lord we love you tonight and we thank you for your goodness and your grace we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning for the promise that you would never leave us or forsake us. Lord, that you're here among us tonight as you promised that you would be because you made the word of the promise to us that where where we gather together in your name, there you would be in the midst. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We just ask, Lord, that you'll minister to every heart tonight. According to the need, there, Lord, will you speak to everyone that raised a hand to you and said, Jesus, I need you. Will you just reveal yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We'll just go right into the Word tonight. Good to be here on this Wednesday evening. Amen. To serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I think as Christians tonight, we can say we're glad to be here. Amen. So, we're glad to have each one with you, with us tonight. So, let's just look in the Word together, Mark 16 and verse 15. This is very similar to the last words of Jesus that is found in uh, Matthew chapter 28 where the um, where where the Great Commission is. And of course, this is also a part of the Great Commission in Mark's words here tonight. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following amen amen god bless you You can take your seats i thought it would be good tonight on the after we have come back from the youth camp and where the lord just moved in some supernatural ways and actually uh, we had uh, many many deliverances even before the prayer line but then after the prayer line we had some great things that god did and um, seeing the enemy move in in such a way with seven different major manifestations of demonic powers, but seeing the, the Word of God, the Spirit of God had triumph over every one of them. And then coming home, seeing, um, you know, as we testify to those things, just seeing again the, the enemy raise up, and then the Holy Spirit coming down and sanctifying and cleansing lives. And I think that is so wonderful. I thought tonight we would just address the church tonight about a book of Acts church. As we just um, look into these things that we read that he says, In my name ye shall cast out devils, that these signs shall follow them that believe. So first, the name of Jesus is a powerful and a wonderful name. You know, it, in itself, it means Jehovah Savior. It is him in his work of deliverance. For he, the Bible said, shall save his people from their sins. This is why he's named Jehovah Savior, Jesus. Now, in Philippians 2 and 9, he said, Wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. So we know this is the highest name that there is that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue that should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So we, we find that sickness, disease, demon oppression, every name, you know, you just name it, it must bow to the name of Jesus must bend the knee to that name and confess and acknowledge his lordship, that he is the ruler, that they must come in obedience to him. You know, there's just no one greater than Jesus. Amen. When we sum it all up of everything that it's all about, it's about Jesus and the great, the great plan of redemption, which includes you in it. In Ephesians 1.18, he said that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. How many is believers tonight? Yeah. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and sat him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, that not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. So, every name that is named, you know, he placed the name of Jesus above every name. Principalities, powers, whatever's in this world or the world to come, there's no greater, no higher name than Jesus. Brother Branham talked about this himself. He would tell about it a number of times, but in Mary's belief, he explains of how that they had told him about spiritualism. And he said, you know, I I just didn't take other people's words. I I wanted to know for myself. And uh, I went to a big uh, meeting of spiritualism. I I thought it was a hoax, he said. And so I gathered uh, gathered there with some others. And and, um, I went in there, and he said they actually... The has began to work, and you know, he described a whole lot of different things that went on. A, a pencil that would write in unknown tongues and would run up and down a stovepipe, beating out on it, you know, a a, a haircut, two bits. And, um, you know, and, and would come back down and write in unknown tongues, and, and a wizard interpret it. And he said, I, I saw a woman doing some funny things and a table then raise up and, and uh, you know, all kinds of um, uh, people going on with demon powers and, um, and said, no one can take and knock this table down and took about six or eight men trying to pull it down out of the air. And, and Brother Branham said, I, I went there and I said, well, the power of God can knock that table down. And they wouldn't believe it. They were trying to hold it. He said, four men with their legs wrapped around it trying to pull it down and a woman doing all kinds of things. And, and uh, then he said, I wanted to know for myself of the power of the name of Jesus. And he said, so I began to say all kinds of things. I said, in the name of the high heavens fall. And he didn't do it. I said, in the name of the holy church, fall, and it didn't do it. I called every kind of name I could think of, and after a while, I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, fall, and it almost broke their legs off hitting the ground. In the name, in my name, they shall cast out devils. He said, there's power in that name. (laughs) So now, you know, as we see the scripture, he said, in my name, thou that ye shall cast out devils. Now, if I ask you to go and do something in my name, I'm actually asking you to do something in my stead. Now, you know, for example, I I might, um, you know, you might go after I ask you to do something in my name or in my stead, you'd go and say, well, Brother Tim can't come, but he asked me to do this. You see, he is, whoever that is, is going in my name, doing what I asked him to do. But in this case, Jesus can't come until that great rapture hour, but he told us to be here in his stead and to act in his name, and by acting in his name, we are to cast out devils. Now, that is the main order of the church. Matthew 10 and 8 said, heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Flee, freely you have received, freely give. This, these are the words, the commission that Jesus gives his disciples. Now, the main work of the church is not educating the ignorant. But the principal work of the church, the true church, is to cast out devils. Now, really, getting people saved is delivering them from the devil and the works of the devil. Amen. Getting people healed is ge- getting them delivered from the tormentor, the devil. So you see, the principal work of the church is casting out Satan. Amen. That's what salvation is. True salvation is casting out the devil. Amen. And then Christ coming, taking his place. True healing is casting out the devil. When he said in my, um, he said, many will come to me in that day and said, Lord, Lord, have we not done great things in thy name? And, uh, you know, and and again, casting out devils is healing the sick. So this is a part of the main job of the church is to cast Satan out. So I believe it's a true church that we do have the authority and the power. We have been given actually delegated authority from the Lord who is the ruler of all, and every demon and unclean spirits are subject to him and must bow before him. And as a true church, we have power in that the Holy Ghost has infilled us. Now, Brother Branham told us in the Sardisian Churches book, he said, he said um, the scripture says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And as Jesus went away, he told his disciples to tarry at Pentecost, at which time the very same spirit that was upon him would come back and fall upon them and fill them then that called out body, the church, would be in his stead upon the earth. And, and then he says, taking his place. Now, remember, this is what we're here for. We are here in his name. We are acting in his stead. He cannot come back, but he's got a body on earth that he's going to work through. That's his church. And he said, and any people that is, excuse me, let me, let me back up. He said, he said again that, um, uh, as Jesus went away, he told his disciples to tarry into Pentecost, at which time the very same spirit that was upon him would come back and fall upon them and fill them. Then that called out body, the church, would be in his stead upon the earth, taking his place. And because that same spirit that was in him would be in them, they would do the very same works. And any people that is truly the body, Of Jesus Christ, the true church, will manifest the same works as Jesus did. And the Pentecostal church, because the same spirit, will be in them. Any other church that does not have the spirit and the manifestations is going to have to give account to God. Now, these are things your prophets told you. Amen. So it's a very high and holy calling and a very tall order for us to be here in the stead of Jesus Christ, Amen. acting in his name. Amen. And I think it's a shame when I hear of people who have said in what's supposed to be believing churches for 30 years and have never witnessed or seen the manifestations of a living God. I just heard of a lady today who witnessed that she had been in church who claims to believe the message and has never seen a manifestation of God, not, not even speaking in tongues or interpretation. Tongues is the least gift. And, and never witnessed a devil cast out, never seen a working of the supernatural. I've, I'll tell you, that's a shame. When we can testify or people can say, well, I have never seen that in my church and you claim to be a believing church. If we're a believing church, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, the message, though, has been so intellectualized until the supernatural is hardly known among many churches. The church has put too much emphasis on the mechanics and nothing on the dynamics. This is the problem. You know, again, we've done a lot of teaching over the past 30 or 40 years and talking about the, the great mysteries of God being revealed and, and the, great, um, the great things of, of, of the truths of God's Word that have come to light, and, and there's a, certainly a place for that, but I think sometimes we've got out of balance yeah. where that we're not preaching about a supernatural gospel right. and a gospel that really works. Are you with me? Amen. So, Brother Branham, Brother Branham would say, and it is the rising of the sun, no matter how much theologians claimed, how much you got your church set, how much education you got, and how much like the Bible until that wave sheaf, until the Holy Spirit comes upon that person to quicken that word, the gasoline represents the word, it's the truth, but without the Spirit, it won't move. And he said, we have put too much stress on mechanics and nothing on the dynamics. It needs the dynamic power of God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ upon the church to manifest and to bring to pass that this is gasoline. It might be in a gasoline can, it could still be water, but the only proof is put life upon it and approve whether it's gasoline or not. So, he said, there have been churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, churches, but there's got to come one, hallelujah. There's got to come a real bride. There must come one that's not only got the mechanics, but the dynamics of it. Amen. Makes that church live and move in the power of his resurrection. And he said, until we come to that place, until we find that place, what good does it do to polish the hubs? What good does it do to give it a facelift or a Simonized job? You know, that's a good scrubbing and a polishing job. You know, to make it shine. When, when there's no dynamics, no matter how much the mechanics prove to be right, there's got to be a dynamics to make it work. And I think as a church, you know, we, we got to realize that we as a church must be a church with mechanics and dynamics. Because Brother Bennett said, until that church becomes me- dynamics and mechanics and the Spirit of God that moved on him to do the things he did, if, if he hit on 16 cylinders, so will the bride. John 14, 12, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. I'll give him a charge of my dynamics and his mechanics that the world will not be able to withstand, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Amen. I believe that's our message today. Yes. Amen. It's got to be where we not just have a church that just talks about the power, and we got a historical God, but we got a God that must be raised up out of history and showed to us to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So, again, you know, you, you, we can't do nothing without him. It's got to have the dynamics to go with the mechanics. Now, so, Brother Branham would say this in, in, in God perfecting his church. And he says, he said, now, you know, you, you talk about the past. He said, you, Wesley and Asbury, he said, they had to rent schools and they fall under the power of God. Lay there till morning under the power of the Holy Spirit. And they pour water on them and fan them with fans and everything. He said, but you got starchy and got away from it. Not you, dear children, your are Pastor's. Because they began to think more of theologies and doctrines than they did of letting the Holy Spirit have its way. that This is just the Holy Spirit continuing on in that church. So, Brother Branham pinned it right on. He said, we, we, we put too much emphasis on the mechanics and not enough on the dynamics. He, in fact, he said nothing on the dynamics. Right. So now, of course, we criticize Pentecostals because they blow it all out the whistle. But many churches I know don't have enough fire in them to blow anything out the whistle. Yeah. Amen. I'll tell you, it's always refreshing to hear a little amen once in a while. Yes. Amen. Especially who, who, from somebody that's got something to shout about. And I believe we're a people that's got something to shout about, don't amen. you? Amen. Oh yes. Brother Bradham would say in the Israel in the church, he said, We got plenty of churches. Oh my fine members, plenty of money in the churches nowadays. Much as you want to carry the church on. We got all that, but we ain't got no fire. Right. Could you imagine going to the car works and building a big fine string of locomotives here, getting fine educated men that knows how to run it and set him down on a plush seat and all the people get in and say, Let's go. And, you know, and push, push, and ain't nothing to go. And he'd reach up, better pull the whistle. And he ain't got enough steam even to whistle. He said, that's right. A lot of people ain't got enough steam to say amen. Right. Amen. You can have that free, he says. Oh, hallelujah. What we need tonight, listen, civilization come by fire. Go back and find the tribes use fire. Um, Fire makes my clothes. Fire makes my light. Fire heats my dinner. Everything comes by fire. If you live in a modern civilization, you live by fire. And if you live in the divine presence of God, you're baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah. Amen, they throw some steam in there, brother, just a little bit, the boiler cooking and popping and jumping and bubbling. And the first thing you know, you pull the whistle and down the track she goes. And he said, that's what we need. And I'm telling you, that's what we need. Amen. Oh, my. As Brother Brandon would also tell it again, very similar to this in faith by experience, he said, I looked at an old train and he said, I went through it. It must have been in the museum. I said, when is it going to move? Can it move? said, no, sir. He said, I'd like to take a ride. It can't move. I said, why? He said, because there ain't no fire in the engine. And he said, that's what's the matter with the church. It's all plushed up and decorated up with no fire in the engine. Yeah. You can only move by the fire. And all oh, what we need today is some Holy Ghost and fire. Yeah. Amen. So now, how, he said, this is how I would pastor a church if I was pastoring one. In question answers on the Holy Ghost, he said, here's the way a church is set up. Now, in the Pentecostal church, if I was pastoring this church, Branham Tabernacle, I'd tell you how I'd have it set up. If I were here all the time to pastor it, I would subscribe to every gift in the Bible to believers first to be baptized into the Holy Ghost. And then every gift of 1 Corinthians 12 would have to be operated in my church if I could get them in there, the whole body operating. Now, that's the kind of church that Brother Bradham envisioned, a church with the dynamics and not the mechanics only. Amen. Now, of course, when you do, you've got to hold yourself back from fanaticism because the devil will push you over the edge. Amen. Of course, when you don't believe and, and preach the supernatural, the devil will put you back on this other side in the edge of formalism. Right. And, it, and if you err, I'm going to tell you, it's better to err on the side of wildfire than to have no fire. Right. Amen. Amen. Brother Branham told about legion when the devils were cast out and the people of the region, they asked Jesus to leave because they didn't want any revival, especially if it was going to cost them something. Right. Amen. And I'll tell you, if you want revival, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you giving up sin and wickedness and unbelief and spending some time in prayer and and, and the Word of God and calling on the name of the Lord. That's what it's going to cost you. But he said that they felt more at home with the hogs and devils than they did with the Lord Jesus. They wanted their hogs and asked him to leave. And that's the way it is tonight. People would rather stay in an old, stale, formal, ungodly, indifferent condition than to put up with a little wildfire now and then. And I would rather have it a thousand to one. They feel better at home with the devils and their old conditions, drinking, smoking, gambling, wearing dirty clothes, bobbing off their hair, and doing all this other stuff, and feel more at home doing that than you do to be called an old fashioned and have Jesus around the house. And I'd take him a hundred billion times to the one. Amen. Again, he would say uh, about the, that lukewarm condition. Remember, he said, the bride of Christ, she will by no means be a Laodicea. She will not be lukewarm. She will be on fire for God. Amen. How many is ready to be on fire for God? Amen. Amen. It ought to just stir your heart when we see God beginning to move and bringing deliverance and Satan being cast out and... Whether he's in the form of cancer or other sickness or or diseases or in form of sin or in form of um, uh, uh, demonic oppression or whatever it is, amen, you know, it ought to cause us to, to say, Jesus, we want that kind of revival, amen. amen, that'll stir the church up and sweep the trash out and bring the power of the Holy Ghost in sanctify the church and yes. make us to live right and not just talk the talk but walk the walk. Are you with me? Amen I believe that's what God wants is a called out predestinated church that knows who she is. Amen. But he said that's certainly the fits the situation today of the modern church today. The Pentecostal church today, just a lukewarm condition, neither hot nor cold. It would be better if we would either be back in their old denominational state or status or either be up in the realms of the blessings of God than to sit in a lukewarm condition as we are now. The Lord would appreciate us much more if we would do it. And I'm just going to tell you, hey, if you want formalism, just go on back to your old denominational ways. Amen. But we in this church, we want the power of God. Amen. Amen. We want the Spirit of God moving in the pulpit, moving in the pews, Amen. moving in the songs, the Holy Ghost, Amen. dealing in lives and hearts and bringing deliverance. That's what we want. Amen. Listen, the Elijah ministry, Brother Brandon was speak of him and said he would be calling the people from this formal condition back to a real genuine faith of the apostolic fathers. Amen. And the message, pardon, he would tell us, he said, What would St. Paul do if he walked in Tucson? Why, they'd have him in jail for a morning. That's right. Why, his soul would burn for God till he couldn't keep from doing it. But we too, we just joined church. You see, our traditions have become a stink in the face of God. Yep. What we need today is a prophet to rise on the scene with Thus saith the Lord and strip those things to the bottom and say they become a stink. Our denominations is grown. Our churches are big. They're finer than they ever was. We'd be a lot better off with a tin pan standing on an alley somewhere with a guitar out there beating a drum or something or other, with the real Pentecostal fire burning in our souls than to sit in the great pews that we're sitting in today, dying, and the whole world dying under our feet. <laughs> But oh, no, today, hey, I'm just going to preach my notes. This is in my notes. Amen. Today, we only want formal songs. We sure don't want drums or guitars and to thwart the Holy Ghost music, they want to call it a dirty name of rock and roll because they don't want anybody getting real excited and the Spirit of God moving in the music. Yes. Brother Brown told us in Elijah and Elisha, he began to play the song. I don't know what they played in them days, but I imagine a good old song like, there's going to be a meeting in the air and the sweet by and by. And God's own son will be the leading one when the meeting in the air. And what he was talking about, Elisha had met with Jehoshaphat and Ahab, yes. or uh, the son of Ahab. And he said to, to him, "Said what, what? What are you bringing this guy here for me?" And he got all out of sorts. He's going back to your own gods. And when you come to seek the Lord in this battle, go to your own gods and find them. And you know he all got out of sorts. And he said, "Well, I tell you what, boys, let me let me settle down a minute. Get to get a minstrel and start playing, start playing on the harp." And Brother Braden said he must have started playing. There's going to be a meeting in the air. Now, by the way, that was a contemporary song back then. Contemporary means something that's written in your lifetime. And that song was written by May Taylor Roberts in 1925, just about four years before he got saved. So it was contemporary to his time. Amen. It had a fast rhythm and a beat to it, and a lot different from the old songs of the justification and the sanctification era. And man, I'll tell you, it offended a lot of people because the Pentecostal people would shout and dance to it. Play on their washboards and thimbles and and beat their drums and their tambourines and shout. Amen. Yeah, they would have church. And he said something like that. Some of those good old-fashioned songs, old-fashioned Holy Ghost songs, a contemporary song, a song for his time, written right about the time he got saved, a Pentecostal song with fast, with fast music and a fast beat that was offending other people. But Brother Brandon said to get the Spirit of God moving, he must have got the thing in that. Amen. He said, the old, you know, he said, and the Spirit of God came on the prophet. And he said, I tell you, brother, when we get all the formal shackles shook down, and the Spirit of God in the songs again, and get back to an old place where we can have the Spirit of God moving in the place, then the prophet can see a vision. Then the power of God come down upon the church then they can see divine healing, then they can see the resurrection of Christ then they can see he's the same yesterday, today and forever amen, you say brother Branham I'm not the prophet, well if you ain't the prophet, you can be one of the instruments anyhow, just keep playing that's right, you ain't got no more than them ten just give bit to them as hard as you can if you can't be the prophet, be a part of the minstrels. Do something to bring the Spirit of the Lord down. Amen. The prophet can't do it himself. He has to have a minstrel to help him. Amen. Then he said, when the prophet and the people got in harmony with God, the prophet began to see things. Now, brother, if you don't see divine healing, you don't see the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't see this mighty move of the Spirit of God moving in the last stage here, just get in the Spirit one time, and you will see things that will be revealed to you. You'll begin to notice things look different what they used to be. That's right. You won't go along with a criticizing spirit. you come back humbly. Oh my, he said, I'm starting to feel religious right now myself. Amen. Now today, you know how it is anymore. You can't even clap without someone criticizing you. Well, this off beat clapping is rock and roll. Somebody come and told me that here some time ago. Well, I I tell you, if you just listen to Jimmy Outlaw's choir music that Brother Branham loved, these Pentecostals were clapping off beat in 1962. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't care if you clap on beat, between beats. Offbeat, however it is, just give God the praise. Amen. Bring the spirit of God there. Do whatever you can do to get out of the formal condition. Amen. Worship God. Amen. Brother Branham would say, after they sang the song there, as they clapped off beat and they sang, I was there when the Spirit came. He said, thank the Lord for that. How thankful we are for a nice spiritual lift like that. I was there when the Spirit came. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, if you ever get to the place where you can say, I was there when the Spirit came, it'll put something of fire down in your heart what the spirit did to you. It took that old criticizing spirit out of you. Amen. And it put in there a spirit of the living God that loved to worship him. Amen. Now, Brother Branham would say in question and answer 61, now, and he he says, now we must submit ourselves to what he does. And he said, then the hard thing to do is when you get there is to hold yourself from that little, one little knife edge of fanaticism to a truth. Now, Brother Branham talked about it. He said, when you get to the place you ought to be, you're going to be one little knife wit away from fanaticism. That's how close you're going to be to fanaticism. He said, now, if you don't watch, the devil will throw you right into a bunch of fanaticism, and you'll lose all your experience and everything else, and when you do that, but if you just hold to the solid truth, watch the Bible, stay with it, stay meek and humble, God will keep you taking you on towards Calvary, just on down the road like that, if you'll just stay right with it. Amen, but let me, get, let me get this record straight to you tonight. <laughs> I'm not advocating wildfire. Amen, we don't want wildfire. Amen, but this Elijah said, and I quote, he said, I said, I could stand a little wildfire and kicking furniture over before I could sit in an old church so cold till the spiritual thermometer goes 40 below zero, I would rather have a little fire, a little wildfire than no fire at all. Amen. 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 But a real church is going to be just one knife wedge. Just one little knife width. Amen. Away from fanaticism. Not formalism. Amen. Fanaticism. Amen. Amen. I think we need to let go and let God have his way. Do you know the difference between the foolish virgins and the wise? The only difference was the oil in the lamp, the Holy Ghost. And if the Holy Ghost is in there, it produces the very same kind of fire it did on Pentecost. Amen. But then the foolish didn't have any fire. They didn't have any oil. Amen. That's the difference between the wise, the wise, and the foolish. One has fire; the other doesn't. Amen. But now, what we want? We want total deliverance, not partial deliverance. Amen. We don't want even halfway Christians. Amen. We want people that are, go all the way with God. Don't we? Amen. Now, Brother Branham would say this, and, and he said, all of Jesus' works was complete. Everything was complete a total deliverance. He totally delivered the leper from his leprosy. He totally delivered the woman with the blood issue from her issue. He totally delivered the world from sin when he died on that day at the atonement. He totally delivered every sin. He delivered the church. So, there's no need for us to live under privileged children. Amen. Our people, he said, there's no need for us to live in a defeated state because he defeated the devil and took all principalities and powers and subdued them under his feet and they have no legal rights. Say legal rights. They have no legal rights to rule over you. We are Christians filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't have to have the devil to dictate to us. Christ delivered us, total deliverance. Delivered us from evil, delivered us from sin, delivered us from habits, delivered us from talking, delivered us from blackguard. You know what that is? Got any idea? It means abusing others. He delivered us from all kinds of smutty things. He totally delivered us and put us into his holy hands, a complete, total deliverance. He delivered our sickness. He delivered us from sickness. We have an abstract deed to that. Hallelujah. For he was wounded for our transgressions. And with his stripes we were healed. He is our healer. The disciples had total deliverance, absolutely total deliverance. Why? Because they were completely and totally filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. When when you just a church member and shook the pastor's hand or had some kind of little experience of jumping or shouting or speaking in tongues or something another or and still have malice in your heart, strange acts, telling lies, smoking cigarettes, lesson after women, death pornography. Amen. There, there's something hasn't happened yet. There's something wrong. For he that loves the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not in him. You've been misled by their fruits. You shall know them. So now, every person that is born, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You were born in this world with sin nature. That is the root of unbeliefs in nature. When Brother Bradham drew it, it, it was, it was um, and as an illustration in his sermon on the future home, he drew it as a serpent, a snake within the soul. He said, every person's born with it, has this ruling over it. I want you to get that. You're not born again tonight. You're being ruled over. That's right. Your body belongs to a serpent and he's got control over your life. Now, every person then who is born again must have this demon of unbelief cast out. Now, how is it cast out? Well, it's very simple, through confessing our sins and repentance. Amen. One of Brother Branham's sermons, uh, his title was Casting Out Devils is Casting Out Unbelief. Amen, so when unbelief is dethroned from the heart, you just cast out a big devil. Amen, it's called sin nature. It's a serpent that rules you. Amen, it causes you to disbelieve God's word. Now, in the message contest, Brother Brandon said, people don't believe in demons in this day. But the thing to do, in my opinion, is know your enemy. And to know your enemy and train for the contest that you're going to have when you meet him. Because you're going to meet him. And when you meet him, you've you got to know what his strength is and then train for this contest when you do meet him. For it is one thing sure you're going to meet him, so you train for the contest. Amen. That's what church is about, training for the contest. Amen. Now, I'll tell you what. You know, devils take on all kinds of forms. Remember, they were all created angels. But because of sin and unbelief, they come down in very gross forms. They come down into low life forms. Their lives, they're, some of them are as low as cancers, which is like a crab with its roots. There, there's others, you know, demons that, that uh, you know, are different ways. And, you know, because that most of us don't see in the supernatural, we just see, you know, a manifestation of sin, some kind of sin Or horrible uh, uh, things in somebody's life. But it's all caused by a devil. Amen. Now, Brother Brandon said, I've seen them in all kinds of shapes. I've seen them in shapes of bats that look like long hairs hanging down their legs. An epileptic demon looks like a tortoise with round legs. He said, uh, uh, but he said, but usually a demon of oppression seems more like a cloud form, like a wave, and it makes a real funny sound when you're in that other dimension to see that spirit. you may think that's wrong, but some of these days, now listen, if you could only take a spiritual looking glass and look into your soul, you doubt, and you find out what it looks like. And the greatest devil, the chief of all devils, is unbelief. And the only sin there is, there's no other sin but unbelief. All these little immoral things, smoking, drinking, gambling, committing adultery, that's just attributes. You do that because you don't believe. An unbeliever is what it makes you do that. If you was a believer, you wouldn't do it. Amen. So believers don't smoke, drink, gamble, commit adultery. Amen. But because you're an unbeliever, it's all coming in. That is all manifestations or attribute of that unbelief in you. Now, some of, some of you are wondering, and I've already heard it, you know, after the meetings and where, you, where we saw manifestation of demon powers, some of them growling, some of them boasting. I won't come out. I won't come out. You know, and, and some are wondering, do you think, I I've got an evil spirit like that. And let me answer it again. Brother Bradham said, if you could only take a spiritual looking glass and look into your soul, and you'd find out what it looks like. You'd, you'd You'd find out what it looks like. And the greatest devil, the chief of all devils, is unbelief. You get unbelief to go, let me tell you, no other devil can stand before you. Amen. Amen. Because faith can come in and take his place. All right. Now, but if you're not truly born again, more than likely, an evil spirit rests inside of you. You were born that way, but Satan having dominion, and if you just got sanctified, and you're ready to be filled. You better get serious and get filled with the Holy Ghost because you're a target for the devil. Brother Branham tells us in Oneness of Unity, he tells us when an unclean spirit goes and and goes out of a place and he says, he goes out and he finds seven more and comes back and he says he finds a house swept and garnished and clean and he said he comes back in with seven others. You know, maybe, maybe he doesn't come back with the same ones. Maybe he doesn't come back as drinking or adultery or, or, or that. Maybe it's just everything's on religious spirits. You know, spirits that, that, uh, that, that, that hold you back and keep you from moving on in God. Amen. The spirit, religious devils. Amen, that, that, that keep you from growing in Christ. Right. Amen, that keep you making excuses right. for your behavior. Right. Amen. Now, so he says, what happens? An evangelist comes through, and they preach repentance, and you clean up from sin. Right. Yeah. And when you, then when you're cleaned up, the devil goes away from you. And you take your things back that you stole, and you go confess your wrongs to your right wife or your husband, and you really clean up. And then the thing of it is, you're just clean and make, your, make a real good target for the devil. Now, after people believed and were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, that's God's divine program." Amen. This is what is supposed to happen. After you repent and are baptized, you're to be filled. Amen. That's God's program. And he says, now, when you get saved, you might be filled with good thoughts and so forth, but unless you're filled with God, God sent the Holy Spirit to the church. He said to, uh, to the earth to motivate the church, then you might be filled with thoughts. You might be filled with theology, And that's what we do in these backslidden message churches. We pump them full of theology and educate them in the message. You might be filled with education I know-it-all. You might be filled with religion and still be a target of the devil. That's right. Now, when God made you so you could empty, for when you was born, you were made with a place to be filled. Now, we can go back to Adam for a minute. Remember, this is what Adam was. He was made with a place to be filled. But before he let God fill it, he gave it over to Satan's reasoning and became filled with Satan's life. And he sold us all to be born that way. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't choose it. You didn't choose to come here a slave to sin and a slave to the devil, but you were and you are until you're born again. You're a slave to sin. You start out, and it'll start out maybe very little small, but I mean, he'll start making you do little small things, amen. Until he just leads you into bigger and bigger and bigger things. <laughs> he said, "By nature, you are a child of the devil, and when an evangelist comes along, you repent and get cleaned up. You see, what the devil comes, he brings back to you and sets you in some little denomination, say." Life church is the biggest one. You're wrong right there to start with. You get heady, high-minded. Why? It don't condemn me to stay home and watch television. doesn't condemn me to smoke a little friendly cigarette or take a drink once in a while. Your fruits tell you what you are. And how many times do we see religious spirits sitting in churches? Until, until the Bible said about Babylon, it's fallen, it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Right. That's what we don't want to become. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. We want to be a place where spirit-filled people can come and worship God. Amen. 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 But so we've got mass churches today that are absolutely unclean places. Just a gathering place of every mean and hateful bird, who still live right on in their sins, and yet confess to be Christians. Oh yeah! Now, let me tell you though, what will cast out the cast out the devil? Preaching the word will cast out devils. That's just as simple as preaching the word. Amen. Amen. Now. He would say about himself, the only thing that kept me from being saved when I was 12 years old was a spirit hung over me, a devil that said, wait a little longer. How many's heard that devil talk? Just about every one of you, if you was honest, you heard that devil talk. Amen. That's the reason you wasn't saved when you become the age of accountability. A spirit, you got with a crowd. And that hovered over you and kept hanging over you. You wanted to do right. There's not a man that got his right mind but wants wants to do right. Is that right? That's the devil. But but, hallelujah, Christ paid for your healing and your salvation. Now, here it is. You get ready. He commissioned the church to cast them devils out. There you are. In my name, they shall cast out devils. You ain't going to heal nobody, but you're going to cast the devil away from them so they can accept the healing I've already done. Amen. Now preachers, he said, stood on the platform and preached the gospel and demon scatter. I wonder sometimes what our services would look like if we could really see into the unseen. He said the man will come to the altar then and under conviction said, I want to get saved. The preacher never saved the man, he cast the devil out. And the man got saved. He come and accepted his salvation. What did it? The word being preached. Yeah. Casting out. Right. There are many times this very thing happened, even for divine healing, the devil hovering over you trying to tell you you can't get well and reminding you everything the doctor said and, and, and getting you to self-diagnose and, and, and know all your symptoms and hanging over you and, and say, well, it don't work. And I was praying for it, and it don't work. But I'll tell you, friends, the preaching of the Word cast out devils. And when you, when the devil of unbelief, oh, there were many a time that Brother Bradham would say, he said, now, he said, the only thing that we have to do, he said, you're submitting yourself to God right now. You prayed the right prayers. He said, I led you in a prayer. I know how to talk to the devil, and I led you in that prayer. He said, the only thing left is there is this cloud of unbelief that is over this audience. But when I speak, it's going to go. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the enemy will do that. He'll come and he'll try to anoint the whole audience with unbelief. And you're praying for the sick and he'll anoint them with unbelief. You're casting out a devil and he will anoint them with unbelief. That's why Brother Brandon said, the hardest person to cast the devil out, he said, is when all the eyes are centered on you. He said, Preachers stood on the platform, preached under the gospel. Man came to the altar and under conviction, said, I want to get saved. He didn't save the man. He cast the devil out. The man got saved. He come and accepted his salvation. Same thing by divine healing. You sick people here believe that and have been born again or sons and daughters of God. God Christ has already healed you. The only thing that keeps you from being well this morning is a spirit hanging over you. Hey, these are sons and daughters. Did you hear what I said? These are sons and daughters of God. And he says, you're already healed. Christ did that at Calvary. The only thing that keeps you from being well this morning is a spirit hanging over you that won't fully let you go out yonder and believes God's promise that he's done it. Not that he's going to do it, but that he's done it. Yeah. Amen. He said, now that's my commission. That's what God gave me. It's what he give every gospel preacher who will believe him, the power and authority to break that spirit. Yeah. Amen. Oh, how many times have we seen it broke? Yeah. Amen. The power and the authority to break that spirit. He said, you know, that sickness. He said, you're a son and daughter of God. You're really born again. But a spirit hanging over you, trying to tell you that you can't get well. You know, now we're coming down to something. Because you see, so many times we're seeing people not coming to a true new birth, because it won't deal with sin nature in their lives. And all it does is come through true repentance. Amen. This is where it comes down with a real godly sorrow and a confession. Even Brother Branham, in, a, in one of his sermons, he said that there was people that was coming across the platform, blind people, and they would read the Bible and with their eyes open and walk off the platform and go back completely blind again. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the motel and he said, you go tell them people to repent of their sins. Yeah. Amen. 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 And he said, before they come on the platform, because otherwise they'll lose their healing. Amen. Now listen, healing is promised us. It is our inheritance. It is our right. It is our scripture promise. But it's not unto us unless we believe it. Amen. Now, when it comes down to salvation, it's the same thing. If you can't get somebody to believe, you can never get them saved. They got to start believing, they got to believe it's for them. He that cometh to God must believe he is and that he will reward those that diligently seek him. Now, but he said, Brother Branham talks about this in the investment. He said, a good picture, beautiful picture. Jesus said, when the unclean spirit is going out of the man, did you notice? Now, here he uses it in this manner. He never said when he's cast out of a man, but when he goes out by his own will. When the unclean spirit is going out of a man, he returns back to this man, finds his house he lived in, has been swept and garnished. And then he goes and gets seven other devils, demons, unclean spirits, enters into this man. The last estate of this man is seven times worse than it was at the first. Did you notice the devil went out by his own will and he returned by his own will. Now, if the house had already been occupied when he returned, he wouldn't have been able to get in. This is why the, the, the Holy Ghost is so important. Amen. Amen. You're you're, you're talking about a danger of an unsurrendered heart. I'll tell you, there is a danger there to leave your heart open and not be filled with the Spirit. So he said it's a very beautiful picture of the moralist. We would think of a man that tries to think he's going to heaven. Because he quit gambling or maybe quit running around with women that wasn't his wife or stopped drinking and turned over a new leaf and joined the church. You see, he doesn't. He really isn't converted. He's just a moralist and the devil is using moralists to just go out and make a foolish representation when really the real power of the living Christ isn't there. And the devil, he would tell us, would really like to take you over in a mild form. And he says to operate under him. When he gets the mild form, he starts in sin. If he can just hold him, listen to this a righteous man, a good man, and just let him go and try to be good like that. If he can hold him till he's dead, like that till he's dead. That's just what he wants to do. He's got it, because no matter how righteous you are, how good you are, how moral you are, how clean you are, how honest you are, you'll never get to heaven until you're born again. Amen. And that's a problem many times. Religion just cleans a fellow up. Don't do this, don't do that. I quit my drinking, I turned a new leaf, I quit doing this, I, and I quit running around on my wife. I'm a good man.. Mm. What? Won't be subject to the word? Won't be obedient to Christ? But a moral person, a good person, and he said, the devil can just hold you like that. That's all he wants to do. You've got to be born again. You've got to be regenerated or there's not a way in, for the, a way in the world for you to ever enter heaven or ever come to Christ. You've got to be born again, and to be born again. Sin nature has to die, and God wants to make something more of you than a moralist, right. somebody that's got good morals, good, you know, good person, right. Right. good old, oh, I ain't going to say good old Joe. Well, I did, but a good old somebody, amen. God, you know, God wants to do more than just make you some good old boy, amen. He wants you to be purged. Sin nature taken out of your life and filled with the Spirit. That is the first order of the church. First, get them born again. And to be able to be born again, you got to cast out devils. All right. Brother Brandon said the world's wanting to see Christ. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The branch bears the record of the vine because it draws its energy and life from the vine. Well, the first vine the first branch that came up in this vine, they wrote a book of Acts behind it. And he said, we see the Holy Spirit acted that same way in the first church, in the church of Pentecost. We believe that this original vine ever puts forth another branch, they will write another book of Acts behind it. I many yeah. believes that? Yeah. Amen. Because the same life in the vine. And if the first branch brought forth grapes, Then we find a bunch out here that's got watermelons or growing on it or pumpkins or cucumbers. We know that isn't the life on the vine. Therefore, I think that's where we even call ourselves Pentecostals and fail to represent the real thing that Christ sent us for to, to represent the Holy Spirit and the life of the Spirit. Sometimes we represent sensations, we represent joy, and that's good, but there's more to it than that. There's a fruit that goes with it that the hungry man is looking for, for this fruit of the Spirit, this quality that was in Jesus. Amen. God's looking for fruit. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll tell you what God wants. He wants fruit to your, to your testimony. You, see, you claim to believe God. He wants you to testify. He's the healer. If you believe God for salvation you got to testify let everybody know I'm a child of God I don't do that anymore I don't run with that crowd no more I've been changed I'm a new creature Amen. man you know here here the other day when we dealt with a, a spirit there for 45 minutes little lady there with two children she'd come with her husband in the prayer line and she brought her child to the camp and couldn't make it in the meeting, so they were off grounds. The parents were bringing their child to the camp, a young person. And, and you know, she, she uh, the first thing you know, we, we see a demonic demonstration. You can see it in the eyes. You can hear it in the growling. You can hear the confession coming out, I won't come out. And the husband said, To me, we've been to five different churches, different places, and we couldn't get the spirit cast out of my wife. And said, you know, we need help. And for about 45 minutes, we we worked with that thing and prayed with that thing. Finally, I said, listen, hey, we can pour a gallon of oil on you and cry in the name of Jesus. There's unconfessed sin. You know, it'll never come out said, so i got to send you to the back room there and have the, have the brothers deal with you. And, and so we did. We sent her, send her away, you know. And they were crying. I, I think they're just putting us off and they're doing us like everybody else did, you know. They can't, they can't cast us out. But it went in the back room and Brother Craig, Brother Joe and different ones would go there back in the back. Man, but as it combed through the life, And looking, I want you to get this. Looking in her life, getting her to search diligently and confess things. And she confessed things that had been repented of and under the blood. That she had to have made right and confessed it all. She's going through everything, turning every, every corner to find out. And to come to find out, the Holy Spirit dropped down and revealed it to. To Brother Craig just gave him that discernment there for a moment, and he said, I can see what your problem is. It's a negative confession. Amen. You're, the Spirit will go out, and you'll get victory over it, but you let it right back in with a negative confession. I'll tell you, church, it's time you begin to realize, you know, your words mean something. In the tongue is life and death. Amen, that you can bring things right into your life by your own negative confession. You can let demons haunt you and torment you and control your life and even use your body to speak through and act through by negative confession. Now, let me just testify while we're testifying. I heard from her pastor today and said, she's still shouting the victory. Amen. 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 But Brother Branham said in the countdown in Shreveport, he said, I said to a young lady, he said, just drive down a post right there in your mind. On this platform tonight, the prayer of faith was prayed for me, and Satan, the blood, was put between me and you, so you might as well go. Yeah. You can come up to that post and say, "Uh uh-uh, here's the symptom. You say, don't punch at it. Don't punch at it. Punch a snake. Just keep saying, I rebuke you. He'll bite you. See, just ignore him and walk away. He's defeated anyhow, so there you are. Don't punch at him. Oh, Lord, rebuke him, rebuke him. Uh Uh-uh, don't do that. See, you're weakening what you really believe. You believe or you don't come up. And you, if you come up, then believe. Let that settle it. And, uh, and that's all of it. Just stand right there and say, it's over. Amen. That's all. That's all. Amen. That's got it. Amen. That's the way that I would do. Yeah. Amen. If I were you and I had a deliverance in my life, I would say right there, the blood was put between me and that thing. Amen. And I'm not taking it back by negative confession. Amen, I'm claiming what God gave me in his word and I'm standing right there on that promise and I'm doubting my doubts. It's okay to doubt, as long as you doubt your doubts. Just don't doubt God's word. Amen, that's what a real believer does. He doubts, he doubts, his doubts. But he believes God's word. Now, you gotta stand there and say, it's over. Amen. Now, of course, Let me tell you, it's going to take the life of God, amen, to defeat the devil. That's right. Let me tell you something. And I I want you to know, Brother Brandon said, when the true anointed of God speaks, it's the voice of God. And then he said to reject it is to remove the candlestick. Your light will go out. Amen. That's what God does. He puts a light in an area, puts a light in the church. To reject that light, you'll go in darkness, amen now our 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 message is to have a power in it that'll shake the devil Now, brother brandon would say about that he said now today we we don't believe in saying hell in the pulpit oh mercy hmm, blah hmm. we we need men of god men that won't hold back amen. and he says and everybody can't be a preacher but you got a voice Amen. I tell you about my voice, I never want it to be when I meet a devil that he says, who are you? I know this and I know that one, but you're a fake. I don't ever want that. Amen. I, I tell you, when I meet a devil, I want him to know I've been with Jesus. Amen. And I'm thankful every time that I've met a devil, amen, that, I, that he knew I had been with Jesus. Amen. I never go out and meet a devil without wrapping my adoptive robe of the Holy Ghost around me and standing in my position as a son of God. And I say, I am called and ordained to cast out this devil and it's going to go. Amen. Amen. Now, but he said, if you're not a preacher, or he said, if you're a preacher, you're called to the pulpit to preach. Maybe Jeffersonville needs to hear this one. If you're called, or if you're a preacher, you're called to the pulpit to preach. Now, that's what my prophet told me. I don't know what what these other prophets are saying, amen, but I don't listen to them. I'm listening to God's ordained Elijah prophet. The other voices are not the voice of God. Amen. But if you're a preacher, you're called to the pulpit to preach. If you're not, you're still a preacher, but live the people a sermon. Amen. Let your sermon be lived. And it's the voice of God that will bring a reproach to them that reject it. They say no one can put a finger on his or her life. They're sweet living. If there's ever a man of God, if that man or woman, you see, live your sermons. Don't try to preach them if you're not called to be a preacher. You'll get all mixed up anyhow and messed up, and you'll get people tangled up, and you won't No, amen, but you'll ruin them and yourself, too. Just live your sermon, amen. We are, you know, I'll tell you what, a lot of these guys that have come up to think that, that they can just preach and give a little intellectualized talk, you know, and, and, and give a nice little speech, would they need to sit down and shut up? Because they're not the voice of God. You've got to be called of God to preach the message. And when you are called of God, you are authorized to cast Satan out. And when you preach, it's going to bring forth fruit. Don't tell me you're called to preach and ain't nobody saved under your ministry. Don't tell me you're called to preach and and there ain't nobody being healed under your ministry. Amen. If God called you to preach, he will vindicate it with signs and wonders. Amen. Amen. The Word will go forth and be followed with power. Amen. Amen. The preacher is called to to preach his and live it too. If you can't live it, then stop preaching it. But you're supposed to live your sermons. All right. There was voices. All we need in Jeffersonville to, to thousands of live voices. The thunder of God. Thunder out in sweetness and holiness and purity, undefiled lives, walking around the earth today without a blemish. I'm still preaching my notes here. Yes, they real Christians. That's thunder against the devil, the enemy. That devil don't care how loud you can holler. The devil don't care how much you can jump or how much you can do this or shout. But what hurts the devil is to see that sanctified, holy life. Amen. Consecrated to God. You say anything to him, call him anything, just as sweet as it can be, and move on. Oh, my, that throws him away. That's the thunder that shakes the devil. So, well, if he could preach like a Billy Graham or, or Robert, somebody, he'd be a great, influential speaker. Amen. Oh, no. Sometimes the devil just laughs at that. He, he don't pay no more attention to that than nothing. You, you get all the theology you wanted and all the seminary training, and the devil just sits back and laughs at you. But when he sees that life, oh, say, look at those disciples down there, that maniac child, that day with epilepsy. Come out of him, devil. Come out of him, devil. Come out of him, devil. And the devil's sitting there saying, now, aren't you making a pretty shame of yourself? Now, you see what you're doing? Jesus told you, commissioned you to go cast me out. Not a one of you can do it. But, brother, when they seen him come, one come walking quietly, amen, oh my, he didn't have to say nothing. That devil was already scared right then. He knew he had to leave right because there come a life, not only a sermon, but a life that said come out of him. Amen, amen. That done it quietly. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was doing. Right. Amen. Listen, I tell you, friends, you've got to realize all the screaming, all the hollering, all the shouting, even calling the name of Jesus like it's a, ma- like it's a magic name ain't going to do it. You've got to be operated by delegated authority. Right. You've got to be here in his stead, sent by him right. to cast Satan out amen and man i i remember the other day just just for testimony when i when we got to the prayer line the reason i sent that woman into the room with and brother craig and them began to work with her and we we had to move her off the prayer, the platform because I, I still had 350 to 400 people to pray for i get them all prayed for and i'm kind of exhausted I'm standing there for a moment, surveying the crowd. There's a bunch of people over here praying for an individual. And somebody comes up to me and says, we got another one. So there's another demon manifestation out there. And they tried everything. They tried, they tried showing pictures of Brother Branham. That didn't cast him out. They tried showing pictures of the Hoffman's head. That didn't cast him out. They tried, they tried everything, you know, working with the Spirit, you know. And that, that, let me tell you how it entered, and we'll, we'll deal with this in another service, but it entered in by his eyes to pornography, right. to control of his life. Right. And now, now it, was, it was taking control of his life, wanting to destroy him. Right. And hear yeah. this kid crying out. You know, a boy that just had, just came into the message and his parents wasn't believers. His mother hates the message from what I know about it. But anyway, whatever the situation was, you know here he was, he was uh, needing a deliverance in his life and calling out to God for deliverance and wanting that deliverance. That's another thing. If you want to be delivered, amen you, there's hope for you. There right. ain't no hope for somebody that wants to remain in their sins. Right. long as you worship that devil. He's got a right to stay there. But the moment that you begin to say in your own self, I don't want this no more. I don't want him in my life. I don't want him to be the king. I don't want him on my throne. I want this out of my life. The moment that you begin to do that and accept Christ, amen, then Christ comes as your warrior, as your king, and he begins to take his, his power over your vessel, amen, to dethrone Satan. But anyway, I know, I know a lot of it, they didn't really do that to cast the devil out. They did it to ask him questions. Well, there was a time Jesus asked the devil questions of what's, his, what's your name? He said, Legion. But most of the time, Jesus didn't ask him questions. He didn't carry on conversations with them. He didn't want to know what they thought about nothing. Amen. He didn't want the opinion of what they thought about the prophet. Or the message, or Jesus Christ, or anybody—he didn't want their opinion. He just wanted them gone. That's kind of way I feel about it. I really don't want to know his opinion. I'd be honest with you; most of them are liars, and they seldom tell the truth anyhow. So I, you know, why listen to them? I don't want their opinion. Hello, somebody. I really don't want their opinion of William Branham. I don't want their opinion of Jesus Christ. I don't want their opinion of the message. I want them go out. Get out. You know, I wasn't called to ask their opinion. I was called to cast them out. You can take a Bible and lay it down on their chest, it will not deliver them. You can put the Bible on this desk, it won't save it. You can put it on a garbage can and it won't clean it up. But I'll tell you, you put the Word in flesh, Amen. it'll cast Satan out. Amen. But let me just tell you something, Satan ain't afraid of you and he ain't afraid of me. But he is afraid of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, you know, there, there again, you know, Brother Brandon said, Satan don't care about me. He knows that. He ain't afraid of me. He ain't afraid of no Christian here. Amen. But what he's afraid of is the blood of Jesus that goes before us. That's what he knows. He can't transgress. He can't pass over that blood. He can't do it. And he realizes, Father, he's defeated. He realizes that there at Calvary, Jesus Christ stripped him of all authority that he had, and he hasn't got one legal right. He don't have one legal thing. But the devil ain't scared of me. He ain't scared of any of these preachers. Amen. He don't care nothing about us, but when he meets that blood... And with a believer, the blood always goes before him. Amen. 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 When, when Brother Aaron and them got news that there was a young lady over in a, in a room, and she was she writhing was on the floor, and somebody said, she's got an epileptic fit going on, and we need, some, we need some help, he sent a nurse. Brother David Butch come back out, and he said, that ain't no epilepsy. That's the devil. We need a preacher. Brother, he called brother Aaron. Brother Aaron said, "Come on, brother Joe. You know why? One to chase, chase a thousand, two to chase ten thousand. Amen, amen." So he goes in there, and, and, the, and the moment the, the girl, the demon, and that girl got a look at brother Aaron as he walked around, he just screamed out, "No!" Amen. You see, let me just say again, the devil ain't afraid of medical stuff. The devil ain't afraid of none of us. But when somebody comes in carrying that blood, that devil begins to scream out, no! I face medical. I face crying out. I face shouting. I face screaming. But I won't face the blood. Amen. But he said the devil, the only thing he can do is haunt the people. He can't possess them. He can only haunt them when their confession is upon the unadulterated blood of the Lord Jesus, wherein he lays, wherein lays the life. So our real true power is in delegated authority. Amen. I'm I'm not going to hold you past nine, so, you know, don't let the devil start talking to you. Amen. And if I do, well, I didn't lie on the pulpit. I just tried to do what I could do. Amen. But Brother Branham said one time, he said, Brother Branham, do you believe that you got power to do this? He said, I don't have no power, but I got authority. And every believer has it. And if you refuse it, you'll stay where you're at. But if you'll accept it, you'll you'll do the exceeding abundantly because it's God rich in mercy. Amen. Amen. And then he dealt with that. He said, now tonight in this prayer line, I'm not having a vision. And he said, so I'm not going to go and try to find the cause. But he said, if you got unconfessed sin, he said, you step out of the line because it'll make you worse than what you was when you come up. So I'm just putting it back in your lap. And most of us don't have visions like Brother Branham did. Amen. And we don't often always get the discernment like Brother Craig did where it dropped in his heart what the problem was. So the best thing to do is deal with your problem first. Yeah. Amen. Deal with your problem. Repent of your sins. Get rid of your unbelief. Realize, hey, I, I've been sinning with my mouth. Come on. There right. right. you go. Right. Amen. With every kind of negative confession, critical spirit, sinning with your mouth, speaking against the church of Jesus Christ, mocking his, his gospel. But let me tell you, first thing you've got to do is Believe someone said, I do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said, well, you'll never be able to receive it until you believe it. That's right. You've got to believe it. I'm trying to hurry right here. And he says, if you believe you're better, then say you're better, act like you're better, and if you say, yes, sir, I'm saved, you associate with those that are saved, you believe you're saved, you act like you're saved, and it works righteousness. Because he was wounded for our transgressions, set into at the right hand of the Father to make good anything you confess. And you'll never be saved until you believe and accept it and confess it. Amen. You've got to realize it's my personal property. I'm trying to come right down to some things. Now, now let's see how important this is. He says, healing is based on your faith. God's identification is based on the promise of his word, but your faith in his identification is what healed you. If you don't, no matter, the holiest man in the world could stand here and pray all day long, and it wouldn't do one bit of good unless you believe it emphatically yourself. Jesus might be standing here himself in the incarnate body, lay hands upon you, and still you would not get healed. How many knows that? Many mighty works he could not do because of their unbelief. Unbelief. But these signs follow them that believe. Now, let's just go through this for a minute. I want to get this to the church. You see, Pentecost, the Azusa meeting, thought that every person in the church was to be doing every kind of miracle, signs, wonders, having a ministry, whatever else. And Brother Branham spoke about that. He said, Dathan, and he quotes it as he's talking to Dathan, a smart leader down in Egypt, rose up and said, you try to make yourself the only one that's got anything. But that wasn't Moses' thought. He was only doing what God ordained him to do. All of them didn't have to be a Moses. The people only had to follow what he said. You know, for crying out loud, we don't need all, everybody to be a Moses. We need some Arams, some Joshuas. Amen. We, we need, we need other, other men in the body, don't we? Amen. You know, we need some Mariams. Amen. We need some Deborahs. We, we, need, we need believers. Are you with me? But you said you try to make yourself the only one that's got anything. He said that wasn't Moses' thought. He was only doing what God ordained him to do. All of them didn't have to be a Moses. The people only had to follow what he said. Everybody didn't have, everyone didn't have to create and do miracles and things. That's what the trouble with people today. Now, we don't want another Azusa Street. We want a mature church. lady asked me, coming down the road here, Florence Shekarian, Demons' sister, Sister Williams, i in the car. Brother Branham, I fast and fast and fast, and I still can't cast out devils. And he says, I said, you wasn't born to do such. Your duty is fast. The Holy Spirit is working on somebody else out there for that. You don't know the place. If we had time, we'd teach those things in long meetings. But how there's one person is burdened like this, and someone over there, and you don't know you, you don't, and you don't, and for for you to know, it's him doing it, and you're just submissive to your call, and it always lines up with the scriptures. See if it's right or not. So again, Brother Branham said, "You don't know your place." He said, "You know you wasn't born to do that." Right. Now notice this is why the Pentecostal church couldn't come to adoption where that they had the power of hearing him because, uh, you know, where they had the power of the spoken word. Are you with me? Amen. Because he said Ephraim wanted to raise corn in Manasseh's field. In other words, you know, everybody wanted to be doing the same job. And he said, now, you know, if the whole church would work in harmony like that, among us, then among us, then among us, we'd be casting out devils, taking up serpents, drinking deadly things, and all kinds of things like that. But when you force that on you, you get Pentecost again, then you get babbling confusion. Amen. 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 Now, so he says, you've got to get them out of babyhood and get them into manhood. Question and answer 64 Will ever true believers do the works that Jesus did? Stated, as stated in John 14, 12. Not exactly, no. Heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. I don't think that's John 14, but it's all right. It's Mark 16. Are this to be only Elijah, only to be the Elijah? Or must the believers do all that that really believe? And if he really is a real believer, will he raise the dead and do great miracles? That's a good question. Now, that is among yes. Believers. Yes. Every man doesn't have those gifts, and it doesn't mean just one person will do it. There'll be groups of people that do it. And that's what we saw. We saw in that meeting, we saw the the ministry of this church working like a team. One is, you know, some's over here working in this room. Some's on the platform. Some's out here speaking to a demon out there on the, on the floor or whatever else. But we were working because why? It is among believers. Amen. But you notice everybody don't do that. It's among believers. Amen. So there again, let's get this straight. We got sometimes to find the cause. And sometimes it's just our dirty mouth that we are not having a sincere confession and taking that word and just placing it on our lips and resisting the devil. But let me tell you, every one of you have a right to resist the devil. But you've got to submit yourself to God first. And if you'll submit yourself to God, then you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. So a New Testament church a book of Acts church will have the Holy Spirit working in that church. It will be among believers. It won't be every person doing it. So, we don't want you to say, see, you can cast this devil out. No, you may not be called of God to do it. You may try all you want to and not, have, not be gifted of God given that authority. Because when God calls a minister to preach the gospel, he gives him the authority to cast out devils. And it's that delegated authority that's given him. But every one of you have the right to submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Don't you love the Lord tonight? Let's stand together. Amen. Let the musicians come. Oh, my, tonight. What a promise that is. God working in his church. I'm glad to have Fearless men that stand together with you. I'm glad to have men that the devil don't call out. Amen. That live sanctified, holy lives. And when the devil meets them, they met a life. And that's what you want. You want when you're, you're going to meet the devil. Everywhere. On your job, at work, at school. Amen. Sometimes on your phone. On your iPad, you're going to meet the devil. He comes in many different forms. and He's so subtle the way he comes in. But as a New Testament church, you can cast him out. Hey Amen. I myself the other day just before camp received something in the mail and I could see from what it was. It wasn't something I wanted to look at. I took it right then. When I'd opened up the package there and pulled it out, I looked at it, just the cover of it. I said, I don't want to look at this. Took it right over and put it in a trash can at Walmart. You want it? Well, that's probably gone. But if you want it, I'd get sin nature out of my life. For when the devil comes, you can turn him down. Amen, the devil knows. He knows what to do, try to get a hold in somewhere. But God wants a sanctified church. How many wants to be a sanctified people? Say, sanctify my thoughts, sanctify my attitude, sanctify me of that old critical spirit. Amen, sanctify me of unforgiving spirits. Sometimes the devil stays right there just because you won't forgive. got to let it go. You worship that spirit? Oh, I don't know why you'd worship that. Let it go. Why don't you tonight say, I'm going to let go of every unforgiven spirit, every habit of the world. I just want God to cleanse me in my life. Amen. I want to be purged because when Satan comes, I don't want him to have a part in me. I can say, that he's come, and he hath no place in me. We've seen some cleansing that's been going on, things that shouldn't have been there, things you knew better, televisions, sports gods, porn gods, filthy things, bad things. God's cleansing his people. Now we can start having a revival. If we get some of the rest of you to burn some of your idols, we'd have a greater revival. Amen. we get some of you that have let the blood get off the door, get it back on the door, get the token back in place, we'd have a greater revival. We ought to have a revival from the pulpit all the way to the back pew. Everyone is filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in the power of God. Amen. God going forth cleansing his church. Why don't you let him cleanse you now? Amen. Wash you in the blood. Yes, sir. Take those habits. Amen. Maybe it's been a habit of the wrong kind of confession. I, I hope. I, I think I, I'm trying. Get rid of that. Yeah. Say it's finished. Yeah. Amen. He's healed me. I'm delivered. Yeah. I'm a child of God. I'm standing right there on the promise of God. I'm going to be walking in victory now on. Amen. Amen. Dear Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We just glorify your name, Lord. We worship you. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true.
1: We thank you that
0: in your name we cast out devils. We've seen it work time on time again. I pray, Lord, that you'll just do that work today. Hearts and lives of people. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Lord, bring a real cleansing in the church, Lord. Purging from every sin, wickedness. I ask it in Jesus' name. Pass me not, O oh gentle say. Oh, come on, just sing it now. In my heart.